When I look at all the things, I've got my career, relationship, I've got my finances, it's in line. What I've realized, I always thought in high school, man, when I become a firefighter, my job is done here. That's it, like I'm done. That's a scary thought. Every time you get closer to that goal, you start realizing there's way more in this tank. I'm not kicking up my legs and stopping now. You know, what's the next goal? Now I'm shaking off the rush. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 11 of the Quarter Life Crisis Podcast. I am your main host, Hunter Smith, a.k.a. The Big Rig, here with JB Justin Borelli. What is up, my dude? Not much, man. Not much. I'm having a good day. You know, I got my meditation this morning, so, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to go. Had a nice espresso on an empty stomach, so I'm jacked. I'm jacked up. Can't wait to see what this uh, what this episode entails because... Uh, this one was on you, my man. I know, all me here, but actually on the espresso, I've been cutting way back on the coffee. I was like a three, four cup a day kind of guy and it was getting way too much for me and I was kind of worried about my heart. I'm already a big dude, so that heart's probably gonna go a little bit sooner than others whose hearts have to work a little less hard to keep their body going. But yeah, I'm like really trying to limit like almost half a cup a day now. I've been kind of going through my morning withdrawals, but uh, I'm here and I'm ready to go, so I'm pumped. You are you are a big body, That is, that is a good point, but... You were going three, four a day. Were you just strung? What was going on there? 7 a.m. coffee when I woke up and then I'd always have a second one out of the pot and then my dad would throw in a second pot and I'd probably have one out of that at like 10 and then usually by like two in the afternoon, I would just go for like an afternoon Timmy's run and just grab a black. Were you off the chains though? Because no. like I have one espresso and like look at me, like I'm already bouncing. But it got to the point where I was like so dependent on it, where I was just like, I was like drinking the 2 p.m. coffee and was like still just exhausted. Like I wasn't doing anything. So oh. like my like caffeine receptors had like shut off and they're like, <laughs> we want nothing more to do with this. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. I love how, I love how we refer to it as you drink coffee, I drink espresso. Like, like that's just our yeah. terminology for it. Well, I'm happy you say it correctly because the amount of people I hear say it like espresso, it's like, no, it's espresso. Yeah, get out of here. So yeah. learn English, please, people. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, enough coffee talk. We got a pretty exciting episode today. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I took the lead here, which isn't usually how this little setup goes. But how are you feeling about today's episode? And if like you had to describe our guest, like how would you describe him? You know what? Our guest, I think he's a great guest. I think we're going to go deep. He by no means has the credentials that our other guests have had on the show. You ready to get into it? I'm ready to get into it. Let's go. Fired up. Sitting in front of me today, a firefighter a nurse, the valedictorian of his university graduating class, a guitarist, a singer, a sausage specialist, and world traveler. Ladies and gentlemen, the man who was never on time, <laughs> the king of the cookie cutter, the Italian stallion. He doesn't know which way is up, but we have him here today. Justin Borelli, what is up, my man? I have never been on this side of the mic for that kind of intro. And now I know how it feels. What is going on today, Rig? Super pumped to be back. I've never been this amped up. I can't believe how it feels being on this side of the mic. Listen, I appreciate that. That's a that's an intro and a half. Yeah, well, I think the guests here are pretty pumped up because I think there's been a lot of speculation about what's been going on in the life of Justin Borelli. We haven't really told your story and we're now 11 episodes in. So I think it's about time that the guests finally heard what's going on in, uh, in your life. Well, and you know what? I appreciate you big time for doing really accurate research that... Me not being on time thing, yeah, not the best quality I have, but that is spot on. I got to give you that. 
I think the biggest flaw when we have guests on the pod, like we schedule calls and we're 15 minutes late to them because you're just kind of like, yeah, like we'll get around to it. I'm like, these people are waiting on us. Like we should be a little bit professional. <laughs> it's You know but, what? I wish you were lying. I'll stop you when, you, when you're lying. We're just going to get you started with the hot five. We're getting back onto it. Oh boy. Here we go. All right. Australia or Italy? Italy. Bieber or Mendez? Mendez. Cat or dog? Dog. Dog. Skydive or bungee? Dive. Nona's dinner or mom's dinner? Oh, you cannot do that, man. <laughs> These are supposed to be quick answers. No one has dinner. No one has dinner. It is two out of five. Oh my God. <laughs> you can't throw that on me. Dude, these are literally life-altering uh, questions. Like, yeah. if people hear these answers, like, I could no, die. You were supposed to say no right answer to Mama Nona's wow, dinner. Wow, why didn't I? little background info on the Nona's dinner or Mom's dinner. They're both cooking in the kitchen right now, so. <laughs> not I knew that was setting them up for failure. But anyways, you're a dog guy, eh? Yeah, I'd say more dog than cat for sure. Really? Yeah. You guys never, like, had, like, pets or anything? No. No, no? very, very, like, traditional Italian-American family that has immigrated to Canada. Yeah. Everyone in Italy has dogs and cats, but for some reason along the way here, someone got hit on the head on the boat to Canada because no one gets dogs and, and cats. Well, I shouldn't say no one, but very few Italians like believe in get having household pets when they come to Canada or the States. So you've never had any sort of pet? like Never. Around? Really? Never. Love dogs though. Love, love, love cats too, but yeah. Not even like a small pet, like a fish or anything? You know what? I had a pet butterfly. Did you? <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about Buttery the Butterfly? Oh. <laughs> okay. Let me give you some backstory. When I was a little kid, and it's probably carried on to now, I was very, very sensitive. And I thought that having a pet consisted of having a butterfly for some sort of reason. I don't know. I was probably like six or seven. And I found a butterfly. And I was like, one day I was like, mom, I, I need a pet. And I was like, I found this butterfly. He's going to be my pet. I've named him Buttery. And well, obviously the butterfly freaking died like a day later. Well, you put him... Yeah, you just suffocated them. Yeah, I put them in a freaking container, one of my Tupperware containers that I take freaking pasta parmigiano in, and, and I put him in this container. I also touched his wings, which means now he's done. Can't, fly. Can't even fly anymore. So, frick, I killed the bastard in one day, and then we had to bur had a burial service for him. Where was the burial? Right across the street in the forest. Did you or did you not cry? <laughs> Okay, dude, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said I didn't cry multiple times at this incident. Dude, I was traumatized because I knew I was a full-blown, I was a murderer. But Buttery the Butterfly, may he forever rest in peace. Oh, God. We miss that guy. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry you had to go through that uh, traumatic experience. <laughs> but moving on, also big travel guy. I know you were in Australia on exchange and like out there, was there any like wicked like insects or spiders that were like... Everyone kind of says it, but are there actually just like kind of tarantulas rolling around in the houses all day or what? You know what? There's this one called the Huntsman that's literally just a beast. Like this thing's a full-blown bear, spider, spider, bear thing. Will it hurt you? Or are they like harmless? They just like look bad. I don't think they're, they'll hurt you, but they'll, they'll hurt you just by looking at it. Okay. Like, dude, it's scary as shit. So they hide in your shoes, these things. Okay. 
and it's like a big furry tarantula bear thing and they'll hide in your shoes i never saw one but i checked my shoes every time i was there um but we you'll just see random shit in australia like just this random spider that's like this weird ass color and he'll just hang out in areas that spiders just don't normally hang like one was just like in a pot like just hanging out in pots in the kitchen we use those pots every day and like there'll just be spiders in there it's like it's kind of weird it's just how, how big compared to american house spider oh no bigger Oh, really? Oh, bigger. Like, yeah. like just legs. Like, yeah, just long last legs. Little body. The long legs, yeah. That's too much for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's that. Before we finish up, I want to tell this story. When I was there for exchange, we we're in a hostel, me and Fado. And we're with these two British guys. It's like an eight-bed eight hostel. These two British guys start talking to us. We become friends with them, whatever. They're going out to this glow party at night. We're like, hell yeah, we'll come. So we're sitting in the bed, we're, we're about to get ready, and these guys start talking to us, and as time was going on, we're kind of getting this vibe that these guys, that these dudes are off a little bit. They start saying some odd things, and me and Faith are like looking at each other, we're like, okay, what's going on? So they're, they're like, hey mate, like, like, if you don't mind, like, like, why don't you come with us to the glow potty, we're ready to go. And I'm, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, like, we're, we're going to get changed in a bit. He's like, let me help you. And I'm like, let me do what? So these two dudes come up to me, and start like trying to take my clothes off. So now I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 guys. Like, I, you know, me, people, please. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just like, come on, guys. You know, I'm just yeah. trying to, I'm not like the guy that's just gonna be like, dude, I'll knock you out. Yeah. Like, no. You know, so I'm just like, guys, come on. And Faith is, Faith is like this in the bed. Just like frozen. Can't do, like, she's not moving. <laughs> right? So she's just like watching this happen. So now these guys got me pinned up against the door. Trying to get my shirt off. So I'm freaking out now. Now I'm like. Guys, I don't know what's going on here. Like, what's finally? I'm just like, guys, guys, we gotta stop here. We gotta think about what we're doing. And they finally like take their hands off. They're like, what? And I'm just like, I open the door and I bolt it. Gone, <laughs> evaporate. Like, I I sprint down this hallway, high knees. See you later. They Knight start, in shining armor just leaves his girlfriend with these two guys. Dude, dude, I don't know why that didn't even cross in my mind. Like, like that my girlfriend was alone with these two dudes. Anyways. They ended up chasing after me. So I bolted down the hallway, take a quick right, go into the bathroom, thought I lost them. I can hear them sprinting down the hallway though. Go into a stall, hop on the toilet like I'm being bullied in grade nine gym class. What happens? They come into the bathroom. There he is. And that's all I hear in this creepy little English voice. Two hands on the stall, like a movie, dude. Two hands on the stall. This guy's head just pops up from the stall and he's, he's just like, we found you. And I'm just like, dude, Leave me alone. Like I, like, I freaked out. So I literally palmed this guy's face and just, like, pushed him. So now he's like this. Like, I like I just grabbed his face and just, like, pushed it down <laughs> behind the stall. I don't know why. He just was like, whatever. Get, goes down there, and they finally left me alone. I don't know where they went. But then I finally went back, like, after they had left and went back to see Faith. And we were just like, dude, what happened here? And we just stayed in that night. No glow party? No glow party. Damn it. <laughs> no glow party. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no glow party but yeah dude I'll, I'll never forget that hostels are weird dude best yeah. experience and, and worst experience come from the hostel i've only done it once and it was in canada especially when it's like gets up to like a 16 bed hostel room oh yeah and, and you, you get some weirdos in there like i mentioned in the intro valedictorian of your nursing class i don't think there's a whole well there's one valedictorian per class per year uh -huh. so a pretty big honor out of a group of 500 kids 400 kids 200 kids yeah i th I think five, I, I think. Yeah. Because with the college and the yeah. U, yeah. yeah so yeah. A, a pretty big honor. Three, I like, don't know. How much did that mean to you as far as like getting that recognition? Um, you know what, man? 
at first I went for the valedictorian role just because I thought I would be a pretty cool representation of the class. Like I thought I could bring a sense of humor, like, and it's kind of like a laid back kind of speech, represent everything that happened during nursing, not just the serious, not just the studying, you know? And I thought that I could bring that. Once I got selected, I was like, oh, they actually think like I'll, I'll deliver or something. So, so it was kind of like a student vote and I got picked. Then once I realized that I won, I was like, oh shit, like they're counting on me now. So then it felt like I had a little bit of pressure on me, but it was also like, shit, they actually believe in me. Honestly, it was really cool because ever since I was little, I love doing speeches in front of crowds. Like I just love talking in front of crowds. So right when the opportunity came up, people were like, dude, you should go for it. You should go for it. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm not going to go for it. Like, you know, and it was tough for me because I wasn't Mr. Nurse for in sure. university. You know what yeah. I mean? That wasn't like my, oh my God, everything I had, I was putting into, loved, liked it, you know, but it, it was, it was almost like a little balancing act I had to do, but I ended up really being proud of, uh, of being selected for that for sure. Now you liked nursing school. So mm-hmm. why, like you didn't love it. You just kind of like tre- trembled back on that. So why did you pick nursing to go into to begin with? Yeah. So I get this a lot, especially when I, in the States, they really don't understand this path that I took. But um, initially in high school, I was either going to be a teacher or a firefighter. Those are the two things that I wanted to do. And teacher was just to follow the family route. Not even though I I would have loved it. Okay. I loved being with kids. Like that's just what I guess I always had it growing up because literally everyone in my family is a teacher. And you also like loved, you had like great relationships with a lot of teachers. Exactly. Like Frankie. Frank the tank. Yeah. Uh, Cole off. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Cole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You had some good, good relationships. hundred percent. So speaking of, do you remember when you got choked out, choked out by one of my teachers in high school, full on choke out, full blown guillotine to the point where I couldn't breathe, but well-deserved. Oh yeah. It wasn't even a question that you were upset. You were like, okay, I deserve that. I deserve yeah, to yeah. be put to sleep right now. <laughs> yeah. So it was between teaching and firefighting. Once I found out that I really wanted to be a firefighter, there were a few firefighters that left an impact on me as a kid. One of them like right down the street, he would always take care of us on the, on the ice in the backyard and he would play hockey with us. And I was like, who is this cool dude? That's like fit. He's always able to hang out with us. And, and he was helping us keep safe on the ice, making sure the ice was good for us. They were like, Oh, that's that's this guy he's a firefighter you know what I mean and I just love the way he treated us and ever since then I was like you know what I got to do it from that point on once I realized I want to be a firefighter I talked to a close buddy of mine that said go into nursing get some emergency room experience and then you can apply to the fire department because it was ridiculous to get in at the time you know what I mean they they only hire a few amount of spots so I was like let's do it so I went into nursing And then I realized there were certain things in nursing I liked, a lot of things I didn't like, you know what I mean, along the way. You see other career options along the four years of nursing school, but then I ended up jumping right back into the fire. So fire was a dream pretty much the entire time. And like nursing was was like a stepping stone on the path there. Exactly. Along the way, like I said, nursing became less of a stepping stone and a possible full-time career, which confused the living shit out of me. If I look at like grade nine or grade 10 Borelli and he told me he was going into nursing, I would be like, okay, you're going into nursing because that's what you want to do. But but what I'm getting at is the physical requirement it took you to transform yourself to become a firefighter. So like how much extra work was it outside of school and like nursing to to get yourself ready to take on that role yeah see this is funny because i started off grade nine what maybe five foot zero 
You weren't. You definitely and, weren't 100 pounds. <laughs> maybe 100 pounds. Like I'm thinking that's where I was at. You next to me in high school, it was like you were dropping off your baby at school. 100%. You know what I mean? It's yes. like, who, who is this dad that's taking care of this little kid? Like, I didn't have a full beard, but I had like facial hair going into the ninth grade. And yeah. I was like six foot six. Yes. yes. I maybe got peach fuzz in second year university. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like it was like, dude, you had to hold my hand on the hallways just so that I felt some sort of protection just to give you some perspective. Yeah. I was tiny ever since I had that goal in mind, which was like grade 11, 12 ish is when I met um, my neighbor there. That was a firefighter. I started saying like, okay, I got, I, I have to put this put this work in now. I got to get somewhat in shape to be able to do this role because I know it comes along with the job, right? Ever since then, you know, I started working out and it was never like push heavy weight, get huge. It was just like, can I be functional at these tasks? So I was always doing things like sleds, like just functional mobility stuff. Not can I bench press 400 pounds? I never had that as a goal and I never wanted to look huge. I just wanted to be able to do huge. For sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, small but mighty. Yeah. When you're deciding to go to school, so in the 11th or 12th grade, you decide this is the route you want to go. Like there's alternative routes other than nursing to get to fire. Hell yeah. They have college programs that are designated to fire. Do they not? Yep. At what point was the decision to go the nursing route for sure versus the college route, which probably would have got you there two years quicker based on the schooling? So oddly enough is... That's like a misconception kind of thing. I'm going to call it. And I got to be careful with what I say here because um, when you take that college route right out of school, a lot of time, you don't have any life experience. And that's probably, if not the number one thing you need, getting into a fire hall. So when you take this college course, they're going to say, okay, great. You, you know, you took the fire college course. That's a year long. You know, the technical aspects of what we do, but that's basically it. Yes. But now you're, now you've got this one year of schooling. So to put it in perspective and you're going up against, I think there were over 1,500 applicants last year for 10 spots. So now you're going up up against 1500 individuals that have this fire course along with an engineering degree or a business degree or a nursing degree and have worked at these places, have gained experience and are bringing this to the table and applying. What makes someone think that one year of firefighter college is gonna get them in at the age of 18 when they're going up against 30 year olds that have life experience. So that's why it's it's so tough and that's why I picked nursing over doing that road. I think it's interesting that you say that. And I want you to say, especially the part about the amount of applicants there are like basically per year. And it's a tiered hiring system where you write the test, right? Then you do the physical and then there's a selection process from there, multiple interviews. And just to wean down to like the final 10 or 15 or however many they're hiring that year. Yeah, exactly. So it's undercover. So amazing what you've achieved. Your hard work can be so easily overlooked because everyone's like, Oh, of course, Borelli like got hired as fired. That people just like brush it off and like, oh yeah, like he got hired. But they, they don't realize like how big of a deal it actually is. You know what? It's funny that you say that because that happens all the time. Not that maybe I get overlooked, but yeah, I think that's a good word for it because I, I don't know if it's just maybe my like loosey goosey, like goofy personality maybe. And like, I just kind of put that vibe out. Oh, and then I would a hundred percent say if you rolled up to like help save me, I'd be like this guy, really? Like... <laughs> I hope none of you guys think that, but but okay. I think for everybody, we generally don't see our friends in their work setting. Yeah. So we don't know how you are outside of just being friends. So I'm interested to know what it's like being as like a teammate. Like if I talk to uh, one of the guys in the fire hall and they'd probably say that what a great asset you have and like how important you are to the team. 
It, you know what? It's funny when you look at it like that, like the whole friends in their workplaces, because if you ask all the guys, bro, oh, Borelli, sum them up in one word. They're probably going to say goofball, weirdo, what, whatever they're going to say. I don't know what they'd For say. Sure. You know what I mean? He's late. But then you look at it, it, it's like, you know what? He got a four-year degree and then he went in and did this. So yeah, like it's just different when you look at it because now I'm looking at our friends and I'm like, oh yeah, shit, they actually work for a living. You know what I mean? They're not just full-time friends, you know? Exactly. It's weird to think about it like that. Hunter Smith does not work full-time friend. (laughs) Great guy though. Friendship fees, 50 bucks a month. I'll be your friend. (laughs) You went into nursing because it was going to put you on the path to fire. You dove into ER nurse in Detroit. Yes. So how did being an ER nurse in Detroit prepare you to become a firefighter? I understand that firefighting can be a very difficult job from the visual things that you might have to see when you're dealing with emergency situations. First of all, ER is... In my opinion, the closest you can get to the fire department, if you if you will, because you're seeing the front line, you're seeing EMS bring this. I don't want to say unorganized, but just this patient, and they basically they basically are saying here. And you have to make start making decisions on your feet as soon as you see them. Yes, it's yeah. basically like if you took like a 500 piece puzzle, dumped it on a table, and said go. Yeah. And we have to just quickly just try to put pieces together really fast so that the ICU can kind of finish the puzzle at the end or the floor or whatever. You so know, you, what gotta, I mean? you just got to get the border going. <laughs> exactly. We're getting the border going and we're, yeah. we're going to keep it afloat. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? We can't, we've, we've got sure. time. We can't drop any pieces. Here. <laughs> no. So that's basically the mindset. Can I share with you a story? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. This is a cool story. I love telling people this one. So not to get too graphic here, but an example of that was this patient that came to me first year of nursing, right? In the ER, Detroit, heavy city heavy you know what i mean just very significant traumas that you see in detroit so this guy comes in and he had like a wound on his neck right here pimple <laughs> we'll, we'll call it a very large pimple okay and we'll, and we'll call it a necrotic neck wound okay okay so he had this wound here and it was very deep you could almost see his what's called a carotid artery just bounding inside of his neck my job, the resident told me, the doctor, he tells me, Brelly, you got to keep him in an upright position. Don't let him move his neck. Like, that's your job. And I just stayed with this patient, made sure he didn't move his neck. Because if that bleeds or if that opens, he could be in trouble. Bada boom, bada bang. Exactly. See you later. So um, so I kept an eye on him. And, you know, I was trying to keep his mind off of it. So I was kind of joking around with him a little bit and whatever. And I made a quick joke and I go to leave the room. And I'll be like, I was like, I'll be right back. He goes, you know what? I don't feel right. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's looking at me and he's, he's starting to get pale in the face. What's going on? And there's no one around me. There's no doctors around me. So I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. He's getting pale. He goes, I don't know. I just don't feel right. Something's wrong. And finally it happens and not to get too graphic on you, but it just busts. And all you see is his full chest is just covered now. I'm there like just frozen. So I take two seconds to freeze real quick because I needed that. And you're... 20-year-old Borelli. 20-year-old Borelli, like new nurse. Like, what's going on right now? So I'm like, new nurse, I look back, and there's no doctors around me. So I'm like, hmm. I literally grab a pair of gloves, get in the bed with this guy, because he's looking at me like, dude, do something. So I get in the bed with him, and I literally, John Cena chokeslam this guy to the bed because I have to put so much pressure on this artery. It's just pumping, right? So I basically choke this guy up, up against the bed, and I'm sitting in bed with him, and I'm just talking to him. I'm like, dude, listen, we'll get some help. Like, hang in there with me. How you feeling? And he just keeps talking to me and, like, making sure he's conscious and the whole time. Me, I'm not the kind of guy that just, like, says, hey, get some help in here. You know? I'm not, I just don't freak out like that. 
But like, also, I'm going to solve this myself. <laughs> yeah. So my friend, my friend, I'll never forget. It was like a Grey's Anatomy moment. Nadia Nardone, I'll call her out right now. In this bed. And, and all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, uh, nuts. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, you mind giving me a hand in here? And I said it like quiet, like whispered it. And he's, she's like, yeah, what do you need? And she looks at me. She's like, you couldn't have said that like a little more urgent when she saw the whole situation. She's like, you couldn't have yelled at me. Like what's going on? She's like, okay, the doctors like whatever. So she comes in with now a flock of people, right? Now there's doctor specialists. Like they, they were like, she was like, how are you so chill about like, what did you just yell at me? And so I was like, oh my God, well, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So finally, about an hour and a half later, I held pressure on this guy's wound for an hour and a half. And we got him up to the OR. He ended up being safe, which is amazing. After that, my hand was like this. Couldn't move. Couldn't move. Yeah. Couldn't move for about maybe 30 minutes. I had to water my hand, like literally warm water under my hand because I, I just couldn't move Your my muscles hand. would have been so tense from just, yeah. Uh, an hour and a half, man. 100%. Of me sitting in bed with this guy, just chatting with him. And, and it was honestly, it was amazing because I was just talking to him and he was like, yeah, dude, I'm okay. Well, like, like doctors are like making sure everything's actually okay. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it was an insane story. Gotta love the D. The dude, the D. The yeah. the dirty D was something else. Yeah. I'll tell you that for free. We're not getting a lot of bullet wounds to the neck in uh, Windsor. No. Yeah. No. No, <laughs> we don't we don't see that. Um, but yeah, no, that that's one of my favorite. I shouldn't say favorite, but one of my definitely the stories that where I made a little impact for sure. Yes. Okay. So very long story short yeah like it's just stuff like that that seeing that first initial trauma and dealing with it putting the border of the puzzle like i love that uh, analogy put the border of the puzzle together and then you give like in fire then you give them to ems to give to the er nurse mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it's kind of cool being on the other on the I, other side of the it. first man on the scene not now the, you're the first man on the scene not the second last mm-hmm. very cool mm-hmm. very cool you're such a good person i've never seen you actually get mad at anyone i've never seen you yell at anybody we talked about like how like humble and everything like Bryce was when we had him on the pod, but like I very much see you in the very same light as I do Bryce as far as wow. that, like that humbleness. You're a little more of a goofball, but like <laughs> just how polite you are and like genuine and just don't really like hold grudges and like get mad at people. Like you've never yelled at me in your life, probably because you know you'll get one of these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a sandwich for sure. You're one of the most successful people I know, relationship, job, financial, like you have a secure job that funds you, pension, all that good stuff. And it's okay to be cookie cutter if you love what you do. Do you think yourself that you're in a QLC? Yeah, I do. I'm sure you're going to want to know why. When I look at all the things that you just said, so, so career, relationship, finances, all very important things. Don't get me wrong. Those are the three pillars of a quarter life crisis, right? Mm-hmm. That we always talk about. When I look at that stuff, yeah, it's, it's in line. Like, like, you know, I've got my career, I've got my relationship, I've got my finances all intact. But at the end of the day, I've, what I've realized is that I'm never going to be able to kick up my legs. I always thought in high school, man, when I become a firefighter, my job is done here. My work is done. I'm going to be happy. And that's it. Like, I'm done. I'm done working. I'm done working hard. You know what I mean? And now that every, every time you get closer to that goal, you start realizing like, oh no, like, like there's way more in this tank. Like I'm not kicking up my legs and stopping now. You know, what's the next goal? You know, should I be a captain? Should I, should I take my career and find another dream that I've always wanted, which is what I'm doing right now? It's kind of crazy that in high school, it's like firefighter, I'm done. Now I'm, I'm here and it's like, oh boy, that's a scary thought. Like I'm not done yet. Like 
don't even tell me that it just scares the shit out of me so that's why i'm in a qlc because it's like where else can i go now mm-hmm. like what other hobbies what other things am i going to pull into my life because i i just want to do everything now and i think i think fire is one of those interesting jobs where just based on the schedule like you work 24-hour shifts so it really gives you opportunities to kind of explore other avenues do you have anything like short of the podcast but like i know other guys like run legitimate other businesses like do you have anything in your mind where you're like oh i want to start this or do that yeah because like i said before before you become a firefighter usually you're bringing in work experience so a lot of the guys have a skill that they have going in firefighting is a very demanding job when you're there for your like you're there for 24 hours but sometimes people don't realize that you're there for a full day and like you could easily be up for that 24 yes and like the next day you are a zombie like i am gassed the next day like i have zero functionality on a normal day okay let alone after a 24-hour shift you know what i mean but like i said guys coming in with these skills that they've had whether they're nurses or engineers or or whatever they do they come in with that so now they have that ability to have almost two careers go to become a nurse and you become an engineer first Mm -hmm. you know what i mean then you can do both for sure there's no other real career that you have that so firefighting you come in with a career and then you've got another career. So that's why a lot of the guys are able to do two different things because they're skilled. Like They've already developed other skills that, yeah, are yeah. useful to them. Yeah. So so they do that now. With me, I'm not a money-making hound. So I, I don't care about the money anymore. I've achieved, I've realized that I've achieved fire. And now I want to chase my dream on the side. You know, a lot of people are like, dude, just go do nursing. Like you have that skill and make more money. You know what I mean? You can make this much. And I'm like, guys, like. I'm okay. I've gotten fire. Now I want to chase like dream. Like I want like, as you know, what's the dream? Music's my big dream now. Right. So I never was into it because in high school I was always like, okay, who's doing music? Like I'm doing sports. I'm going to be cool. Mm -hmm. Quote unquote. Yeah. So I always thought it wasn't cool. So I never did it. Meanwhile, in the back of my head, coming home from practice, I was just jamming and I would, I would love singing. And I like, I just love different pop songs and stuff like that. And now I'm heavy into it. And that's like the new gift for me is like, I'm spending so much time working on my craft, whether it's guitar or maybe I sing a little bit. I don't know. What's your dream of that? It's Uh, fine if your dream is to be Justin Bieber. People make it late, especially in the music industry. Is that your dream or is your dream to be, be the next great wedding singer in Ontario? Or is your dream to play just a local gig every Friday night? Or is your dream to just show up and go up to open mic night with prestige worldwide because if you suck they won't even let you up great point prestige worldwide (laughs) what a point to drop um how about we interview you um (laughs) so honestly i don't think there's a specific dream like at first it was like yeah at first you're always like okay i want to be yes jt i want to be justin timberlake you know what i mean but then now it's like i just want to play in front of people and them sit there and not be like, okay, what the hell is going on? Can you like, please shut are, up? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what my goal is. I want to be able to sit in front of someone on a bar stool, rip a little geet, sing a couple vocal tunes, and then be like, yeah, I could sit here and enjoy this. You know what I mean? So that's the goal for right now. Um, if it gets better, it gets better. My goal for you is to be playing that honor roll. So like I can go there on a Friday night and enjoy some sushi and have you just up there just belting chords. Dude, Rio would be pissed. But like I'm behind like a black curtain and then it just rises and he realizes it's been me singing the whole time. And he's like, get this guy out of here. <laughs> this is my favorite bar in Windsor. Like get him out. I don't want to see this guy. So 
you're a big, you're a big personality, lots of places you want to go in life, both traveling and goals and dreams and aspirations. Like what does your five year plan look like? What does your 20 year plan look like? Wow. That's a hell of a question. You brought up a good point. Traveling huge, huge in my life. Like when I think of like a 20 year, five year plan, like the first thing that comes in my head is probably traveling. Like I just want to go and experience. And when I travel, it's like, it's not vacation to me. It's almost like work. Like when I travel, I hope you know, I am going into this. Like, dude, there's a mission to be solved here. I need to know this culture. I need to know the best food in that place. I want to know what they're doing. Like when, like for instance, my next trip, I would love to go to Vietnam, but I want like a, a nice old Vietnam lady to show me how to make pho. You know what I mean? And show me how to like, where to really go to eat some good pho. And like, I just want to get in there and live there. Like I don't travel to, you don't want to go to the main city in Vietnam and have pho at the restaurant where everyone eats pho. Unless it's just Unless absolutely it's the, best one, yeah. the best, but like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not just going to vacation to do what everyone else does. I want to go there to live there. Like, cause every time I go to a city, it's like, I want to say that I've almost lived there for a week or a month or whatever. So yeah. So I love that. So that's going to be big time in our plans. And I know Fado agrees with me, but yeah, I'd for sure say next trip is Southeast Asia. Um, other than that, if you're talking like career wise, I'd have to say like music's got to be a part of that plan. Yeah. Music is huge with me, right? Dude, I'll literally wake up in the morning, play like a little Justin Bieber tune, sue me, possibly Mendez. And like, that'll just get me going for the day. Like, like I'll feel it like, like in my bones and like, I'll be like, yeah, yeah. And then then I'm ready to go for the day. Like that's what just gets me in my groove. So hundred percent, I want to play in front of people for sure. That's got to be in the next five years. I got to play in front of people. I'm not trying to carve you too hard, but we do run a podcast called the QLC and you explained how you're in a QLC. Yeah. But for the most part, you did not go off the beaten path. Yeah, no. You took the beaten path pretty directly. So what actually inspired you to start this podcast? Because you were the one who approached me with the idea. I think what started it was that exactly. Was the fact that I went on the sidewalk and walked a straight line my whole life and seeing people like you that were chasing your dream going to the NHL and people like Dakota going to the NFL and, you know, trying to be an actor. Like there's no, there's just no holdback. And it seemed like your guys' minds. I didn't have that. And I wanted that. It was like, why didn't I go for what I wanted? Like, why didn't I get into music early on? But at the time, you might not have wanted that. So that's what I'm saying. The beaten path, you can still chase your dreams just because your dreams are along that path. That's true, too. That's true. Like, my, my dreams were just different then, mm-hmm. I guess. But I also think what played a big role is I've, I worried about what other people thought of me. So in the back of my head, I always wanted to do music. Yeah. You know what I mean? But didn't come out till what? Eight years later? Because I was worried about what other people think. No, I'm, I'm a sports guy. I'm a, I'm a firefighter. I'm a, you know what I mean? All these things of what other people were thinking of me. And I didn't want to, I'm a people pleaser. You know what I mean? I, I always have that going. And it's like, no, like, dude, just do what you want. And that's why I admire people like you, Dakota, like I said before, that just go for it. You know what I mean? That had something and said, see you later. And so that's why it made me feel uncomfortable because I was like, man, did I really give everything I got to what I actually wanted? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's why it hurt me a little bit. Was it difficult overcoming that like eight years of not shyness, but like just like worry that like what people were going to say. Mm-hmm. So when COVID started, your Nona was alone in her 
apartment. Oh, yeah. You went outside and your buddy played guitar and you sang for her. Yeah, yeah. In front of the whole apartment apartment building. What a simp. Videotaped, yeah. but went on TikTok and like kind of went viral. Was that almost self-verification that you were kind of like now like coming out of your shell in that way? And like now that you had positive feedback from a large group of people, you were no longer scared? Yeah. Now that you put it in that perspective, because ever since that moment, I've hit the gas. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've been working at it. So hell yeah. I, I think like once I got that little bit of verification, which sucks to say, because I wish I would have just do it without having to do that. Mm-hmm. Like hate the instant gratification. Yeah. hundred percent. That fueled it a little bit. And then I took it upon myself to kind of work hard at it now. Anyways, JB, you rocked it today. Definitely got to give something to the listeners uh, oh, yeah. of what What's your call to action? I know you've heard a lot of great ones over the last few months, but what do you really want the listeners to not only take out of this episode, but every episode? I'll give you a cookie cutter thing and I'll give you a non-cookie cutter thing. What I want is something that's like kind of impacted me and hurt me in the past is is just letting other people's opinions affect you. Now that I look back at it, so many things that I do every single day are because of what other people think of me or, or the judgment that I get or just the way people look at me. What I would say is try your best to just look back, like just reflect and see like, okay, am I actually doing this for me or am I doing this because Joe's watching me or because I want to press impress people. Like don't, don't worry about impressing people. Impressing people never works. You know what I mean? Impress yourself, do shit for you. And that's what I'm finally starting to realize. And like life's, life's getting good because of it. Long story short, try your best not to listen Put your noise canceling headphones on is what my biggest piece of advice would be. Put your head down and keep walking forward. And that's coming from a goofball. Now, that being said, what I get, what you can actually do every day that I think helps out significantly. And you're going to think this is so random, but you know, I do it every day. Dude, take a cold shower in the morning every day if you can. And if you can't do it every day, I get it. It's ridiculous. It's so it's something that's cold shower or like maybe just like zing yourself for 30 seconds at the end. Quick thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like Quick enjoy the hot it. shower and then just ruin it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like people aren't getting into the cold shower. Like, let's be honest, but I do. Well, no, I understand that. But like you, like half the listeners aren't going to just be like, Oh, I'm going to get in the cold shower. Today. Yeah. But you know what? How about this? Like knock, try to knock down the temp a little bit. You know what I mean? Do lukewarm showers and yeah. see if you can get there maybe one day. For sure. Because I just think like when you hop out of that thing, dude, your day is different. I'm telling you, man. No, you're right. And I, I was off it when my hand was broken because I only showered like once every four days. And I was like, I'm not wasting the shower on a cold shower. And it was like minus 13 outside or 14 degrees. I was like, there's no chance I'm getting a cold shower in right now. Yeah. But summer's coming. It's probably a nice cool off anyways. Like I said earlier, like I was trying to like kind of cut back on coffee, cold showers. I'm pretty sure scientifically are proven to give you more energy. Yes. And I actually came out and I was like awake and aware. And I was like, okay, I don't need my afternoon coffee now. See, that's, that's what I'm saying is it gives you the two best things that I love the most. One gets you going. Now you're just ready to rock and you're just going to be a production machine that day. Two, it just chills you out too. At the same time, Mm -hmm. it's like the two best things. Like you know how you see those people that are just running with their heads down and just frantic and worrying about so many things. Like nobody wants to be that guy. Super high strung. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to be that guy, but you want to be the guy that's getting shit done, but is also somehow a chill, you know, everyone's like, Oh yeah. Like he's like handling this all so well. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's just a chill, but he's just getting shit done. And it's like, okay, how, how does this happen? You know what I mean? Danielle's a great example of that. I feel like it just gives you that little morning thing to get your day going in that path. And I'm like, hell yeah. Why wouldn't I? So that's your go-to. 
cold showers. Just dial it down a little bit. Maybe a 30 second zing. I like that. But anyways, JB, thanks for coming on the show. You know, I've been hosting this show for way too long now, carrying the weight, but (laughs) it was nice to have a guest like you on today. But anyways, dude, uh, appreciate it. And we'll chat later. Yeah. Crazy being on this side of the mic, but I, I appreciate it big time, big rigs. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the show today. I can't believe I'm saying that's so weird for me to say that. But uh, thanks for having me on the show, Riggs. Now I'm shaking off the rush. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Quarter Life Crisis podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode and listening to us bozos talk about absolutely zero. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at theqlcguys.com, except for the fact that that's not true. There's no dot com. Just do you. Say